Well, hello everybody. Welcome to the UK Wildlife Podcast, episode one. I'm Neil Phillips. And I'm Victoria Hillman. And, oh, let's, I might as well say the date. It's actually the 13th of November when we're recording this. So we'll see how long it takes me to edit and put it out. Um, I'm sure it'll so, get quicker as we go along. <laughs> yeah. Oh, your faith in me is wonderful. Um, so, <laughs> so, shall we start with what you've been up to, Victoria? Yeah, okay. Well, I've actually not been up to much, given that I had shoulder surgery just over two weeks ago. So um, I've pretty much been laying on the sofa, uh, reading, watching TV and doing not a lot, to be honest. Um, Although today I did go for a nice seven kilometre walk, um, which was nice in 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 the sunshine. And that's about it. But I'm pretty sure Neil's probably been up to a lot more exciting stuff than I have. I have been quite busy actually. Done what? What have I done? Um, I think I mentioned in the intro one. I've been to TetzuCon, spoke to some people from a BBC Bristol Naturalist Unit. Um, that was a good conference. That. Um, uh, but I went on Friday, last Friday it had been. I went to the London Freshwater Group Group meeting, which is basically lots of freshwater ecologists um, have a meeting. It was at Naturalist Museum. Um, I did a talk on my pond creatures. Um, there's some other good talks. There was um, what was the chap's name? I've actually written it down here somewhere. Uh, oh, that was it. Uh, Matthew Hill from University of Huddersfield. He done a study on urban ponds and showed that they're as valuable as rural ponds um, for biodiversity, which is quite cool. And um, some of the seemingly rubbish and non-biodiverse ponds held some rarer species. That's quite an interesting um, thing. It's sort of, he did it around Birmingham and a few towns in Huddersfield. It's interesting oh, okay. stuff. Well, it's, um, it does sound really interesting. Yeah, it's quite a few good talks. Uh, what else? Oh, uh, oh, his name Daryl from the Environment Agency talking about uh, eels in the Thames and their massive decline and their possible slight recovery recently. Um, uh, I spoke about freshwater life photography um, and following me was Fergal Sharkey from the Undertones um, so I took the opportunity and pulled, pulled a full Chris Packham and snuck in the song titles um, favourite cousin uh, Teenage Kicks was a bit obvious people caught on when I said that one and um, and I think it was a dragonfly nymph emerging and I said ah oh. and the dragonflies say here comes the summer and emerge um, and Fergal was very very impressed um, so much so he gave me a £20 fine for poor pun use so uh which i paid to the wild trout just um and oh i tweeted about it. some of you might have seen it on my pond man account i tweeted about it and i tagged chris packham and he said well done but i wasn't sure if it's for the donation or for the pun use but uh yeah probably should have oh, asked, t- asked t- take it back. as both take it yeah as i'm both. gonna take it as both yeah take um, it as both um and then fergal gave his talk was on he's a bit he's a keen angler and he's a bit of a campaigner for chalk streams. Um, basically, all the chalk streams flowing into London have been dry all summer. And one of the hallmarks of chalk stream is because it flows in aquifer, it doesn't dry out in summer. And he was basically talking about how the Environment Agency and various other bodies have completely failed to protect these streams, which was quite interesting when it came to the questions because there was quite a lot of Environment Agency staff in the audience. but um, And one particularly... Um, one person completely adamant that he was wrong but um yeah at the end of the day it comes down to poor regulation of water companies all this stuff um but yeah check out some of check out fergal on twitter he's a lot more information on all this um 
and a wild trout trust as well on all these chalk streams drying up so that was that was quite an interesting uh meeting uh caught up with some people i've spoken to there before i've been there a few times um and chatted fresh water and various other things um yeah and did a talk last night for a group in kent on wildlife of essex um wildlife wise which i think i've had a um on the river sour i watched a heron eating a little grebe which was quite um interesting to see quite a big mouthful as well i would imagine yeah <laughs> I mean, there's cases of herons choking to death on trying to eat stuff, so it's not that surprising when I think about it, but uh, still wasn't what I was yeah. expected to see when I went down there. Oh, I bet. Uh, <laughs> well, I hope you got some pictures of it as well. Yeah, I got some okay ones. Um, I, I, I got a little bit too close and it, it didn't like it, but um, it flew off with the grieve in its mouth, which was quite um, interesting to see. But uh, Yeah, which I think, and just saw lots of fungi today, took a group of kids around, homeschool kids. And yes, I think we were discussing before we started recording that children are fantastic at finding these things. Um, my theory goes it's because they're close to the ground. They uh, are. I mean, you take children out and honestly, I swear, they just find far more than any adults do. It's amazing. Right. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. Most of my best pond creatures photos are from something a child's caught. Because there's so much, you know, you get a class <laughs> of 30 kids with nets, they're going to catch more than I will in half an hour. So. It's true. Yeah. It's true. I think, well, I think my wildlife highlight of the last two weeks has to be seeing a red kite flying past the window of my hospital room the morning after my surgery and that's about it yeah. i did see a squirrel in the garden the other day as yeah, well yeah. which is a first for us we've never had squirrels in the garden here so i believe i take it a gray one uh yeah it was a great one <laughs> i really get them in my garden as well which is weird i, I get parakeets occasionally fly over as well but never had them in the garden so yeah lots oh, of alien yeah. creatures that would be a subject for one of our things is alien creatures doing a talk yeah, on yeah. tomorrow night actually Mm. Uh, my talk's on macro photography tomorrow night which will be mm-hmm. down in Devon deepest darkest Devon Daniel Trim's doing a talk tomorrow night as well it's like all us BWA people are talking tomorrow What's it's Thursday country? night it's club night yeah club night <laughs> club night yeah uh, yeah oh, I think that's all I can't think of anything else that's happened I need to talk about yeah not many not many wildlife highlights really it's kind of getting into that time of year though isn't it it's a bit of a weird yeah. transitional time that we're starting to get a few migrants in but yeah. not massive amounts yet no I've, I've had a few field fairs oh i had a southern hawker last week which is the latest i've ever seen one so that uh, is late yeah but then not... starlings are already gathering on sunset levels which i think is a little bit earlier than it has been in previous years as well oh, nice. well unless people are just down there recording it more i don't know could be could be well, i imagine it's been quite well watched over the years isn't it that so it has gets very very popular down there yeah. very popular mm. right uh, shall we move on to wildlife news i think we should and i think uh you know kind of migratory subjects i think takes us quite nicely into what we're going to talk about for this episode yeah. really doesn't it well, do you, would you like to take a lead on this story then? Because uh, you've been doing a bit more research than me. Thank you. Well, we thought that for this episode, we'd actually have a chat about short-eared owls. Um, yeah, wonderful, beautiful, beautiful owls. Um, been lucky enough. I think we've both been lucky enough to actually see them in the wild mm. in various locations. Um, you know, they are actually both a resident and a migrant to UK shores. Um, to just pull out a few little kind of cool facts about them. Um, apparently we actually have between about 620 and 2,180 breeding pairs in the UK. 
That's quite a big variation, isn't it? It is a big variation and a big number as well. I didn't realise um, it was that many, but most of them are actually in northern England and in Scotland. Um, yeah. Um, and they're actually a European conservation species of concern as well. So they definitely need need a bit of protection, a bit of help. Yeah. Uh, generally speaking here in the UK, we tend to see them, um, we see a massive influx over winter as they, they kind, of, kind of come to our coast from... Um, Scandinavia in particular, um, good places to see them that time of year, kind of coasts and wetland areas. Um, yeah. We have a lot yeah, in our grazing marshes in the Thames estuary, yeah. Yeah, we have quite a lot down Somerset levels that come in this time of year as well. So it's it, it's good to see them. They are absolutely stunning birds. Stunning, mm. stunning birds. They are. They are good. Even for birds, I'm impressed by them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you've got to love an owl, haven't you? Yeah. yeah. I think the first one I saw, I think, was on Skoma memory and i do remember the first time i saw it is because they they obviously fly in the day unlike a lot of other owls um well more commonly they do hunt at night as well um and this one was just it looked like it was floating it's just like this there's a little bit of a sea breeze and because there's this all wing you know when they land they actually look quite small but look quite big when they're flying um yeah fantastic things and yeah we get them i've seen them on sheppy in kent more than anywhere else, but we get them in Wallasey, uh, rain and marshes inside the M25 in winter. Aren't they? Wow. If they're not here already, they'll be showing up there hopefully again soon. Um, and I think with some of the snowstorms that are starting to hit yeah. as well, um, probably start to see a few more coming over. Yeah, because they fly the North Sea, don't they? Then they turn up on the oil rigs in the North Sea quite a lot this yeah. time of year. Which is <laughs> and I think, I think there was a report surreal. of one on a boat a few years ago, wasn't there? Oh, yeah. Uh, quite a few years ago. Um, just yeah popped up on a boat it's like eh, it's not what you expect to see when you're out at sea really no. but yeah there we go so so you might be wondering what prompted us to actually kind of start with short-eared owls um and it was actually an interesting news story um about a female that was actually tagged in scotland in stirlingshire at nest site in may 2017 and um yeah, they followed her for I think just under two years, um, and actually made some incredible, incredible journeys. Um, so, you know, we can take you through a little bit of that journey. Um, do you, you want to start off the journey, Neil? Yep. Yeah, um, they they tagged the female in the nest. Um, so you know, fledgling chick, sort of level. Um, on May 2017 in Stirlingshire. And it flew north to Perthshire, so this is Scotland, um, and then headed further north to the coast um, in March of next year um, before returning to Perthshire in April 2018. So starting 2017 2018. Um, then it crossed the North Sea um, in May 2018 um, and nested in Norway. Um, yeah, I'll let you carry on. And that was that was actually thought to be her her second nest because she nested yeah. um, in Perthshire mm -hmm. in in April and then nested again uh, in Norway in June in 2018, which is quite incredible in itself. Yeah. Uh, she was then they managed to pick her up flying back, crossing Britain, reaching County Galway in Ireland um, in October. So had quite a lengthy journey back. Yeah. And then she was tracked south and east, stopping in County Cork in November 2018 um, before heading down and spending a couple of months down in Devon um, in March 2019. So 
earlier this year, uh, after which he headed north and east in the spring, was logged in Cambridgeshire and then Norfolk in April 2019, finally leaving the UK on the 26th of April this year. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, the last signal that actually came from a tag was at 4pm on the 27th of April, just short of landfall on the southwest coast of Norway. Um, I mean, they're not in, I don't think they know entirely, you know, what happened to her, but thought yeah. that, yeah, probably succumbed to the, to the elements, possibly, or, you know, tired, exhausted little owl. It's a yeah. lot of travelling for a little owl. Yeah, it's quite nice to see a satellite tag story. It doesn't end with it suddenly disappearing over a grouse moor as well. That, that's, <laughs> that's true. That's, that's yeah, a story for another time, I think. Yeah, yeah, we'll, um, we can touch on that one. Um, yeah, I think it was like it was just off the coast. I think they they last um, last picked up her location, uh, but it shows just how how incredible these journeys that these birds actually make are, um, and whether that's you know whether she was actually heading back to breed in Norway uh, is a possibility. Um, it shows how I mean, much just, data just we get from these satellite tags. I mean, it wasn't until recently we knew where nightingales uh, spent the winter. We knew it was Africa from bird ringing. So bird ringing does help with all this stuff. So obviously it's a low cost thing which you can do large, n- larger numbers. But yeah, and the cuckoo data from the last few years on BTO has been quite interesting too. Yeah. Just really helps give us a bit more of an insight, doesn't it? And, yep. you and know, you can't into their lives. Them. Yeah, you can't conserve them unless you know where they are the whole life, really, can you? So. No, and the, and the journeys that they make. So it's, you know, helping protect those kind of wildlife corridors for them as well, where possible, giving yeah. them places to stop over um, you yeah, know, on these journeys. It's funny, because you read the books and owls are meant to be adverse to crossing water to some degree. Um, I mean, that's one argument against the eagle owl being native um, or having spread here natively. I think we're pretty sure that a lot of them have been released, but some seem to come natively. But I do remember um, a barn owl not far from me um, nested on a site on the Essex side of the Thames and would fly a mile across open water of the Thames estuary to go and hunt in Kent before coming back and feeding its chicks in Essex. So oh, <laughs> the bizarre thing was they seemed to be perfectly good hunting territory, just sort of, you know, a few hundred metres further west, but they obviously learned where the good hunting was and it was amazing to see just flying across. Yeah be interesting to know where that owl actually originated from whether it did originate yeah. from where it was going back to hunt yeah that, that would be good to know you know if that was where it kind of maybe first started its life and started hunting whether it, it just kind of went back there even though it wasn't nesting there it's extraordinary uh, water just isn't a barrier that people think it is i mean people found deer in the english channel um i once heard a story of a red deer found outside was it Bradgate or some deer sentry Wales um, or the middle of England somewhere? And they traced it back to France. Oh, wow. Now, whether That's... or not someone had brought it across and released it, but, you know, they see them swimming. Um, in fact, a friend of mine photographed a muntjac deer that swam that mile distance again across the Thames. You think how tiny a muntjac is? And it's quite yeah, it's a big distance for a, for, a, for a little deer. But, yeah. you know, it's, I guess for a lot of these animals as well, they, they can do it if they have to. Yeah. It's a survival strategy, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, guess how... instinct to just disperse as well with some of them. A lot of them will die doing it, but they'll colonise new lands by doing that. So. Yeah, and I mean, I know there's a, a few bits of footage out there where people have actually seen adders swimming mm. as well, yes. crossing water bodies, which um, is quite unusual. I mean, you know, we know the grass snake does it. I mean, the grass snake hunts in water, but, yeah. you know, for an adult, 
uh, for an adder to do it as well. It's, yeah, I think the adder just wants to be the cooler snake because grass snakes are cooler than adders. Oh, no, Controversial they're opinion. But, no, they're um, adders are they definitely are. cooler than grass snakes. No, 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 no. <laughs> We're going to have to have snake. a whole episode on snakes. <laughs> yeah, grass snakes live in ponds, therefore are superior. I'm with the eating frogs. You just don't like. I say you just don't like to eat frogs. That's what it is. It's true. It's true. I'm yeah. very biased. Yeah. yeah. But. Adders are cooler. They are. They are pretty. We cool. ignore smooth snakes because they're too rare, and I don't like them because they're too rare. It's too hard to find. Yeah, too hard to find. <laughs> Stupid smooth snakes. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I mean, going back to the owls, you know, I was saying like with the water bodies, it's not. You know, they must have got over to to Skoma, um, mm. somehow yeah, as well. True. So. Well, I say uh, they migrate across the North Sea every day, so I don't think shorted owls quite fit into the scared of water category. Um, no, couldn't quite see a tawny owl doing it, maybe. No, well, they, they do occasionally. But There's then the thing these... is, there used to be little owls on Skoma as well, um, you know, and they must have, I'm guessing, they oh, well, flew over there, there at some point. They no, um, they hadn't been seen for a while, actually. Hmm. Um, I vaguely remember seeing one last time I was there, I think it was. They, they never came close, though, they were always miles away. Or maybe they were just little. Bit of a Dougal moment there. Yeah, uh, I think it was just teeny tiny, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Maybe it was actually only a metre away, but it was a very little owl. Yeah, a teeny tiny one. Teeny, tiny. Um, yeah, no, last time I've been to Skoma, last two years, and didn't see them on either occasion. And, yeah, no, no one had actually seen them, I think, those two years either. So, uh, I know, uh, I think, was it last year a snowy owl was recorded on Skoma? Or was that oh, yes, I did see that, yeah. I remember reading something about that. They do um, get some good rarities there. They get hoopoos and stuff occasionally, don't they? And the occasional twitch goes part, goes on. Things that get blown over mm. in storms and that. But, did they, yeah. they had some dragonfly. I can't it was a red vein darter or a vagrant emperor they had. Um, mm. I'm not sure. So I'm going to have to keep an eye out for the dragonflies when I'm there next year. Yeah. Something different to look for. Mm. Yeah, good population of amphibians there as well, isn't there? Which obviously been introduced, I think. But uh. Uh, well, they're interesting actually because I did um, actually both times I went, I've stayed overnight. Really, mm. you know, it, it's it's great to go out and look for the the frogs and toads at night out there because they do look slightly different from the ones mm. we're used to seeing in the main, on mainland. I wonder if anyone's well. tested this because the ones on Jersey are the spiny toad, aren't they? which looks like a common toad, but it's a bit bigger and I don't know where the spiny bit comes from, but um, yeah. Oh, so the, yeah, these ones seem, they're a little bit leggier, if that makes sense. Yeah. Then, you know, certainly the toads that I'm used to recording and seeing mm. up on top of the Mendips, you know, compared to the ones on Skoma, the One Skoma are a lot leggier. Um, yeah. Remember and they, what, and they, actually the frogs they move well. faster, do you think? I'm to, I did see one or two, but they didn't move when I was there. One of the trying to run away from all the goals, <laughs> trying to eat them. Uh, we yeah. we only ever saw them at night time. Mm. Um, so they were out in numbers. Um, not so much this year, but last year because it was it was damper when we yeah. went last year. Um, this year it was it was hot and dry, so we didn't see as many. Um, but they do get with the common frogs they have over there. They're pretty cool because you can, if you're lucky, you might find one that's um, red, which is quite mm. cool. Yeah, I like the red frogs. They're uh, something something special about those and they're they're pretty big as well i mean compared to the frogs you used to have seeing around here yeah, the ones on scoma are a lot bigger as well yeah i wonder if there's a bit of some sort of selection pressure but there might be some sort of in well not inbreeding but you know 
shortage of different genes which is cool because i know you get more color mutations and mutations when you've got a smaller gene pool because it, it obviously expresses all the uh um recessive traits doesn't it so yeah because you uh, the rabbits there it's a it's a bit of a controversy whether the because they've got all the multicolored rabbits on the scammer haven't they um yes and that, and some people say it's because they were pet ones that have escaped from the people that live there um but it could be a little bit of inbreeding going on as well um I found a, a wild form rabbit, a cute little thing, and it had a little white patch on its head, which was rather sweet. But um, not that I do cute, but yeah. <laughs> oh, we <laughs> all know you do cute sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> we saw the black ones this year, which is mm. is quite interesting because they are, you know, pretty much entirely black. Although one did have mm. a little white spot on its middle of its forehead. Yeah, um, I saw a few black ones. Yeah. They're, they're, they're reasonably tolerant of people, aren't they? They're not super tolerant. Well, some of them are, but. I think yeah. the bigger ones are. Mm. And and we saw some huge ones. I mean, some of these were, you know, massive mm. for a rabbit, for, you know, for a wild rabbit that you'd, you know, you'd see, you know, out in the fields or whatever. You can go over there and you see some of these rabbits and you're like, that, that's huge. Mm. Absolutely massive. But yeah, I've I mean, decided the topic is now SCOMA now. Yeah, <laughs> <We've> <laughs> we have to have diversion a little bit, haven't we? Yeah, well, okay, yeah, SCOMA is a wonderful place. It is. Um, uh, first place I saw a Fulmer. And less importantly, a puffin. Um, if you go to Scone and don't see a puffin, then yeah. you've probably got your eyes closed. Or you went the wrong way. Or you went the wrong way. Mm. Oh, it's good for wheat ears as well, actually. I've got some nice pictures of wheat ears. There. Yeah, that's true. And and chuffs, of course. Uh, and swallows. Oh, yes, and swallows. Yeah, it's pretty good now. Um, yeah, it's a good little sight and I mean you can see the orcs as you get on and off the boat like the razor bills and guillemots but somewhere like the Farne Islands is better for them I think if you want to photograph them anyway but, um, and kitty wakes although Bempton's better for them mm. have you done Bempton yet? I've not done Bempton actually oh. I'll have to put that on my list for next year when I'm back yes. back oh, using my gear I didn't again. actually do it this year just thinking about it I went up to Yorkshire at the right time of year, but um, I've done it. So I do it every time I go up there. I go there, so I decided to do different things this time. Um, I did go out on a boat and see the Minky Whales. Oh, I just remember saying that I saw when I went to London. I went to the Royal Parks. Very disappointing. Uh, no herons showing. Um, I didn't go to Regent's Park though. Um, I went to High Park, Kensington Gardens. Um, Cormorants too far away. The light was a bit over. So I didn't really take many pictures until I got up to Round Pond in Kensington Gardens which is right opposite Prince Charles's place. Um, and it's been known that there's a lesser bat, bat gull that likes to hunt the pigeons. And I watched this. It's fascinating to watch. It was like something from Jurassic Park because he didn't fly. He walked really quickly. It literally ran. I haven't seen a gull run. You know, it didn't open his wings mm. um, until he lunged at this pigeon and he had it by the tail. And it was thrashing it about, and the pigeon was struggling and struggling. And I fired off a few shots. And then when the pigeon managed to break free, I think it dropped its tail feathers. Um, it took off, and the gull took off after it in, in flight, which I didn't know that, think they would do. But I suppose it's not that surprising. I've seen them hunt puffins like that. But, um, well, trying to take their fish. But, um, yeah, amazing to see. Sort of made up for not yeah. seeing anything else the whole rest of the time I was there. Um, I think, you know, gulls can be really resourceful there. I mean, we did actually see um, – we saw a couple of um, – I think we 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 did actually see a greater blackback gold take a puffling this year on Skoma. Mm, I watched uh, them eat two on farns, two eat. I don't think they were pufflings, they were orklings, I'll call them. It's one of the, I think it was the razor bills or guinea mott chicks. Um, and yeah, they, they swallow them whole. Yeah. 
I saw him eating the rabbits on um, Skoma as well, actually, going back to Skoma. But, uh, yeah, I didn't see any, take any puffins. I think it's it, the trials of life. There's a greater blackback goal, eats an adult puffin, mm. which would be amazing to see. We go up to, um, it's up, up in Scotland somewhere, um, mm. and you get the, the great skewers oh, yeah. that, take, that take them. Um, mm. Yeah. And dive bomb you. Yeah. Even David Attenborough got dive bombed from them. They have no respect. Yeah. <laughs> well, they just see it as another person, don't they? They, yeah. they don't know who he is. They're just like, oh, it's a person. Go, you get should. him, get him, get him, get him. No excuse. Everyone knows. Because I remember, because um, obviously I work in environmental education, for those who don't know, um, about five, six years ago, if I said David Attenborough to a bunch of primary school kids, they look at me blankly. But if I say it now, most of them know who he is, which I think is quite nice. Which means, that is you know, really good, actually. Yeah. Because means I did they're a, watching his programmes, which is it does. Well, I mean, I, d- I don't know about you, but I, I grew up watching his programmes. Mm. You know, it was... Trials of Life um, that I grew up watching. Between David Attenborough and Gerald Durrell, it's kind of, you know, my my inspiration for, for getting into being a wildlife researcher and photographer, really. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I, I did a talk for school a couple of years ago now, a um, group of six-year-olds. Um, and every single one of them, um, I actually went in as, as a favour for a friend because her children were in the, in the school group and they were doing a heroes week and, mm. you know, talking about their, their heroes and that. And her children wanted to try and get David Attenborough to come in to speak to the school. And um, the mum said to them, said, well, I don't think we're going to be able to get David Attenborough to come in and, and speak, um, mm. speak to the class. But one of my friends is a wildlife researcher and photographer. Shall I see if I can get her to come in? <laughs> um, so I went in and, and gave a, a talk to them about some cool little things like snakes and, and that. And it's amazing at six, like everyone in that class um, actually knew that we had venomous snakes. We had one venomous snake in this country. They knew what mm. it was. They knew what it looked like. They could tell the difference between a grass snake and an adder, um, which yeah. was just absolutely phenomenal. And they actually, they, they willingly... Um, missed their break so they could continue asking me questions as well which I thought was just so encouraging oh that's nice yeah I, amazing. Um, I do you know obviously you read all these stories oh kids don't know anything about nature they don't know anything about outside but in my experience they know more than the average person my age and quite often more than people that you know have had the experience that you know should know more but don't and a lot of the views some of the people that are older have um, just general views are sort of oh foxes are pests oh rabbits are pests oh adders are dangerous we should you know we should remove them from parks they might bite people and their dogs and, and it's kind of it's quite heartening to see that the next generation seem to be actually getting it for lack of a better word you know yeah. they get that there's too much plastic they get that global warming is real and is not entirely natural and uh Yes, it's quite refreshing. But, um, and and they want they want the the gardens and you know the ponds in their schools as well. So they've got that on their doorstep, and you know it's absolutely amazing. And actually, for this particular group, they knew more than their teacher did. Yes, I've I've had groups like that actually. I've I've had um, the awkward moments where the teacher corrects the kid, and you have to go, oh, actually, Miss. Yeah, I think they're so more I find that child is actually correct. <laughs> yeah. But it's. But he's refreshing, definitely refreshing. Yeah, well, I can tell. I've, I mean, I've had kids whose knowledge is just, you know, reminds me of a young me, but no, uh, probably way beyond mine actually. A lot of the time, um, 
and yeah it, it is this whole oh kids don't get it i mean um uh, my favorite one was um they the surveys it was national farmers union i think it was so you know straight away alarm bells are going and they said they reckoned only 10% or 20% of children, I can't remember the exact numbers, it's some ridiculously low number, could recognise a crocodile. And I was like, really? And I do wonder if they, if some of the kids said alligator and they marked it as wrong. Do you know what I mean? And you just, yeah. you know, you've got to be so careful with these surveys because they then used it to argue that children need more educating about um, the countryside and animals and, you know, we can't trust people's views and it. you should just trust people of the countryside because they know better and... Oh, and yeah, you know, although there's an argument for some of that, it just it gets tiresome after a while. Uh, yeah, I mean the thing is, if you know, if you've got children that can, you know, if they they pick an if they identify something as an alligator over a crocodile, I mean, fair play to them because mm. there's a lot of adults that couldn't do it. Yeah, and some of them are very very similar as well, so it's it's not always that easy to do. Yeah, and caimans, alligators, and it gets very confusing then. Oh yeah, the crocodilia family are a nightmare sometimes. They are awesome things though. They are cool. Very cool. My little girl Willow loves crocodiles. It's very good. They're not, of course, Komodo dragons. They're even cooler. But, um, you know, they're they're up there with reptiles. Yeah, yeah, they are. After that, they are are pretty, you know, the big things. Mm. Still don't be frogs. Yeah, frogs are pretty hard to beat, to be honest. Um, And we include toads in that. Yeah, we do. Because we're actually one of the few few places that actually differentiates between frogs and toads. Mm. Because um, toads end up in the what we call toads end up in the middle of the frog tree, and there's frogs in between them. And is it um, is it poison arrow frogs or tree frogs are actually toads? I can't remember now. It's poison arrow frogs would be yeah, embedded so in the toads. It's not like that. tree frogs. It is paraphyletic to use a scientific term. So it's, it's very interesting. Could probably actually do an entire episode on that. To be honest, probably do like a whole series on frogs. Oh, to be yeah, honest, we do a yeah. podcast on frogs. There's so yeah, many. That's of true. Them. <laughs> very true yeah right yes oh if you haven't re- realized that with us two these podcasts can be very tangenty but, um, we'll start off on one subject and yeah. manage to bring in a whole load of other stuff yeah and what a surprise you managed to bring in frogs twice so far i know so shocking pretty good. in 30 minutes yeah we we bought scoma up though so the frogs yeah. had to come in with scoma so. come in then, yeah 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 that'd be it, your it, challenge to see if we can actually do one where i can't get frogs into it Oh, that's gonna be. That sounds like a good challenge to me. <laughs> and I can see if we can do one where we don't get pond creatures into it. Mm. Well, I haven't really. Oh, okay, unless you count frogs. I don't think uh, I've mentioned pond creatures yet, have I? Yeah, the the pond dipping. Oh, I did a little yeah. bit. I don't think we could do it, Neil. I'm not gonna lie. No, I don't think we can. I think if we can get pond creatures and frogs into yeah. it, every connect it to everything. Yeah, then, I think we could. I reckon we can. Because we could always just say. <laughs> They're not as good as, and then we're, and, and that's a bit of a cheat. Maybe that doesn't count. That doesn't count. No, we've got to uh, somehow get it in there as mm. connect it somehow. Can even be some sort of drinking game every time you mention frogs. Um, <laughs> yeah. That'll be exciting for me at the moment. Uh, yeah. Water and tea. That's pretty much yeah. what I'm drinking right now. So. Yeah. I still one more thing than I drink. There we go. <laughs> well, <laughs> will that be the water or the tea? You yeah, know, water is the word. Drink and yeah. But not with pond creek, not pond water. Oh, uh, probably just as well. That probably Maybe counts as some sort of juice. Mmm. Mmm, yummy. Mm, nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, heading back. So, it's just uh, uh, going back to the news to see what other news I had written down. 
Um, oh, there was that depressing story about, did you see that super trawler off the south coast dredging um, the water just outside our territorial waters? Um, and I nearly mentioned the B word then because people were saying that will stop it, but it won't because um, it's not in our territory. Um, no, they'll be, they'll probably be very close to the, to the, to the line, oh, but they, not they crossing right. it. They were, they were very close, and uh, but there was nothing legal we could do to stop it. Apparently, people looked into it, and yeah, very sad. But um, there we go. Let's no, have think... a look. Where else have I got on my list? There's been a few, been a few interesting stories um, recently. I've not been posting much on my Podman account because I'm not, well, I did the uh, Arachtober thing on uh, posting a spider or Arachtid picture every day in October and I've kind of exhausted my supply of photos. Oh, I think I managed a grand total of two. Did you? I did oh. a Harvestman and a spider and that was it. Yeah. But then, I've, yeah, October's been a bit of a crazy month for me. And I somehow seem to have missed the news for the last two weeks. Um that's a good move. Yeah, it means I've missed a lot of the negative stuff that's going on as well. Yeah, I was looking into it. We might not legally be able to mention anything political at the moment because of um, PERDA rules and all that kind of stuff, which is good because it means I don't, I don't, I'm not allowed to talk about it, which is a good thing. Well, we just won't mention it then. I'll just start moaning. It's really boring. And um, then we'll have to start talking about frogs again. So, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Someone did compare a, a politician with the same um, letter in his name to them. I was quite offended for the poor little frogs. Oh, yeah, that's not nice. No. What do the frogs ever do to deserve that? Exactly. Exactly my fault. Mm. Oh, do you see? Um, I don't want to get too into the badger cull, but there was a, a man he found. He had 28 badgers he'd shot in uh, Cornwall um, and stuck them in a freezer. Um, he hadn't done it as part of the cull. Uh, we'll probably have to do a podcast on the cull. We might get somebody who's uh, even more obsessed with it than me. <laughs> and um, he was going to try and claim claim the bodies as part of the cull to claim some money for culling them. Um, and he offered oh, to see what this punishment oh, wow. was. So basically, that I, mean, I don't want to get in legal trouble, but to my untrained knowledge, sounds a bit like fraud to me, as well as illegally killing badgers. Um, and they confiscated his guns. They found a lot of rifles and shotguns. Um, and what did he get? Oh, he was ordered to carry out 150 hours unpaid work. And they took his guns and the dead bodies of the badgers. That's right. really a real deterrent, isn't it, for anyone else? Because think how the odds of getting caught on that are pretty low. Yeah. Um, but interestingly, somebody... Um, what was it? forget the lady's name i think it's rosie something i'll have to look that up um we'll do a proper talk on the badger cow i think um and she said that when they first monitored the badger cow they found badgers um that have been they claimed money for that didn't even have bullet wounds in or clearly had been shot after they were dead so there's a lot of and for those that know about don't know about the badger cow and the dog you know the arguably dodgy science, and what we're talking about is dodgy, but um, to support it, um, there was, uh, when they monitored the first year, it was found to not be humane. So the government solution was to not monitor it anymore. And it's, yeah, mm. the whole thing is a bit of a farce, I think the word is. It's the polite way of putting it, but... Um, yes. 
Yeah, but I think I think we do. You know, maybe we'll dedicate an episode to that. See if we can get yeah. someone to come on and you know, see yeah. see what we can and can't discuss with regards to it as well. Yeah, yeah that's true. Oh, there's a couple of other depressing stories. Um, not just hen harriers going missing over um, grouse moors. Um, two white-tailed sea eagles disappeared over an area used for grouse shooting. Um, and even more depressing, they arrested a load of people selling um, goldfinches that they caught in the wild as pets in a pub in Leytonstone. <laughs> so just down the road from me, really. Well, well, maybe not quite just down the road anymore these days, but... Um, Yep. Now I've got another news story about um oh buy this woman's book, Forgotten Little Creatures, on my Facebook page as well. I'll come to that <laughs> later. Oh. Um oh more depressing news, alarming loss of insects as spiders recording. So that's another big subject that probably needs an entire podcast. I think so. I think um, that yeah, definitely needs. Oh, there's a um a, a well known solitary dolphin off Dorset got caught up I think in I think it was in some fishing line and so some fishermen went out and freed him which was quite nice. Oh that's a nice happy story. Yeah nice happy story. But a happy, happy story. story. Don't depress everybody. No, definitely need to get some some happy ones in there as well. There was another one, I can't think what it was now. Some some bit of good news. Um I forget what it was now. Gold well, holes in Hastings. I don't go into that either. <laughs> Nothing <laughs> I'd written down. Now that's that's something we definitely have to cover. Is the war on wildlife in yeah. a future subject? Yeah. Oh, this, this is a bad story. I'm literally just cro- scrolling from my Facebook page because I've just stuck all the stories on there. Well, we did have the other thing we were going to touch on when, like, discussing the shorted owls was um, obviously like both Neil and I are photographers as well. We love doing our wildlife photography and although we're known for our respective macro work and that we do both do birds and mammals and other stuff as well and it's been known that we both do cute and fluffy um you know occasionally and then we have a word with ourselves and each other um and then it doesn't happen for another year so it's all good but you know um it's really important if you are going to go out and try and find some shorted owls to photograph um just give them a bit of space Mm. um please 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 don't go too close to them um you know certainly it, where it doesn't matter if they're an overwintering bird or it's you know mm. winter to roost um breeding pair or whatever just you know use long lenses from a distance um wait for them to come to you as well if you sit in one spot they will eventually usually especially if you sit in your car or something like that i found if it's a spot near a road obviously um they'll they'll eventually just start you might get lucky and they just ignore you and come and hunt right in front of you i've had that happen um, yeah, I mean, sometimes they'll just come and sit on a post right in front of you, um, mm. you know, if, as long as they feel safe. But it's just, you know, don't don't go off chasing them. Um, and also, you oh. know, if you're in wetland areas as well, I know it happened. It's happened like round here or down mm. some set levels a few years ago. People kind of wandering off, um, actually potentially wandering off into private land. So you oh, need yeah, to be careful of that. that. Wetland areas, you, you really don't know what's there. Um you know, you don't know what other wildlife say. You don't know what the ground's like. So, you know, stick stick to paths. Um, yeah, and just just use a longer lens. To be honest, mm. if you want to go out and photograph them, mm. you know, if you don't have a long lens, you can always you know loan one, um, hire one, steal your friends. Sorry, borrow your yeah. friends. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, but just just give them a bit of a space because they were like Neil said they'll. If you've got somewhere you can sit in your car, they'll they'll just fly right past you and maybe sit on a post in front of you. So, you know that 
the possibilities are there as long as they feel safe they'll just keep doing what they do um, but yeah just give them a bit of space mm. yeah and i mean there's been you read stuff on twitter and stuff people you know there'll be a line of photographers and then um you'll get that one idiot that jumps in front of them and, and wants to get closer and ruins it for everybody it's just a bit uh, the words always you overused but um or the phrase is overused there's usually a bit of common sense half time really isn't it yeah but, um, definitely um yeah i don't think we have to cover live bait on this <laughs> it happened with the gray hours but i don't notice if it's happened i don't know anywhere it's happened with shorted hours in this country yet <laughs> but uh no, yeah, no i've not heard of any mice. stories um yeah. no um I have I have heard of there's a, a fairly well known site in the Midlands somewhere I believe it was or certainly further north than both of us um, where people kept parking inconsiderately and blocking roads and in the end the farmer mowed the field one winter to stop people doing it perfect our hunting habitat and just unfortunately that does happen in wildlife photography sometimes you get some uh, thoughtless people but equally you do get people getting a bit too lectury which obviously we avoid but um yeah. yeah yeah like i said it's just using a bit of common sense you know don't block mm. people's driveways don't block roads um mm. just be sensitive about it you know we've all we all born with common sense you know just, you just use it you hope i'm not yeah. convinced of that but yeah <laughs> no, i'm saying nothing yeah <laughs> but yeah I, just use i, I live in essex and so it. i'm exposed to it more oh, <laughs> that's, that's, true. Gonna say. that's true i live on a hill on the edge of Froome, so it's yeah a bit different yeah. <laughs> wow yeah, I had to use my I had to emergency stop three times a day driving to and from work. So, um, you know, not much common sense going on around here. Oh, I'm guessing that wasn't for wildlife then. <laughs> no, sadly, it was for people putting out in front of me and stuff, but, um, or just driving down the middle of the road at me in the country lane. But there we go. Yeah. yeah. And we're quite disappointed. It's it's quite disappointing. I mean, it's very rural around where I'm working at the moment. Um, and driving along the roads, I've I've yet to see anything, you know, a deer fox well the foxes have all been shot obviously um but quite devoid of hedgerows in some areas i guess as well um but you know i think i've seen an owl or something in the headlights but nothing so far which is a bit disappointing but um yeah then you know we've got i mean i've actually just probably in the last couple of weeks just started to hear the tawny owls calling at night again um we've got two pairs never see them but we know they're there and it's normally only kind of coming into this time of year and over winter that I start to see the the barn owls sitting on the fence mm-hmm. post when i'm driving around at night not at the moment uh, but um and the tawny owls i've seen them sat on signposts at major roundabouts before now um so you never know it's, it's just a matter of time yeah if you're driving it regularly number. hopefully you'll you'll see yeah. you'll see something i think i've seen plenty of muntjacks at work as well i say i say seen plenty i heard them and i'll catch them on the uh the trail cameras but um yeah you know i get a bit more lucky yeah just give it a bit more time just need a bit more time all right um i don't think of any other news stories i wanted to cover have you got anything you can think of uh i don't think so i've not really been i've had two weeks now where i've been pretty much out of it and mm. to be honest you know certainly the first week after the surgery a unicorn could have been riding on the back of a dragon in my living room and I really wouldn't have noticed um so I'm kind of a bit behind on everything but yeah I've not really kind of seen that much well I haven't seen any news 
Yeah. Really. I don't think we had any questions for this week's show, did we, either? No, to... nothing nothing popped up. But if you do have a question, um, you know, just tweet one of us. We've got, between us, we've actually got four, um, well, actually, five Twitter accounts. <laughs> um, but, you know, so oh, you, yeah. or you can, you know, just, just tweet us with the hashtag UK Wildlife Podcast, um, mm. you know, and we'll, we, we'll answer those questions. Or to um, the best of our ability. Time. Yes. And preferably on wildlife as well. Not just yeah. sort of like who's going to win the match between sporting team one and sporting team two. He yeah. Said interested in football anymore. Yeah, I, I know nothing about football, so mm. I'm going to go down that route. All I know is West Ham <laughs> lose all the time. Most of the time. I can honestly say I've never watched a game of football in my life. I can't say that. I've watched many. No, see, rugby girl through and through. Oh, there you go then. <laughs> but yeah, no, if you do. Had... <laughs> oh no, we got uh, to the final. Fair enough. Yeah, we did. We did get to the final. Um, yeah. Ten years of playing, it kind of yeah, one of those. Yeah. I played yeah. it up to the age of thirteen, fourteen, I think it was, and then it started getting too rough for me because I, I I was quite well, I'm quite small anyway, and I grew quite late. So I was get I literally it was when I got picked up by my ankles by someone that's supposedly my same age. And slammed headfirst into the floor. I was like, might not be cut out for this game. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty tough game. I didn't even start playing until I was 16 and then played for 10 years after that. Nice. So, um, loved it. Absolutely loved it, though. It's good fun. Really, really. I love the kind of the team spirit and the, mm. and, and the atmosphere. And yeah, still yeah. play, but just non-contact now. I only play touch rugby now. Yeah. Probably a safer bet, I think. Much safer, especially with my job. Can't be risking those injuries, she said. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Play that and you injured yourself getting up photographing a toad. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I did actually confess to that on Twitter this mm. week. Um, on Tuesday, actually, that my shoulder injury was actually the result of photographing toads. Um, so not entirely sure how I did it, what I did, but... Yeah, I think I might be a little bit more careful next year. <laughs> there you go, kids. Don't do wildlife photography. It's dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Play to rugby. F- it's much safer. <laughs> yeah, much safer. To be fair, I've been photographing those toads for oh, probably about five or six years now. Never had any issues. So I don't so know why I did this you do a serious injury. Yeah, probably. Probably. Um, and I, I classify this as a serious injury. Um, yeah, I would. It requires surgery. It's a serious injury. I that's think, that's true. Honest. Yeah. Yeah. And nine months recovery time. Yeah, that's a serious injury. It's a serious injury. See, what you need is a crooked and broken body like mine already. Then it doesn't matter when you injure yourself. Uh, I think this one would probably still stop you in your tracks. <laughs> yeah, probably would, actually. I guess the point that you can't lift your camera equipment anymore. Ah, that's why you should have Olympus. It's lighter. Uh, I couldn't even hold it. <laughs> Oh, it's lighter unless you put all your kit in one bag and then buy a second body and <laughs> so I've done. I need a bigger camera bag yeah, <laughs> yeah so okay. this downsizing just means you buy more equipment yes that's the problem but I am set up for any eventuality except I won't have time to change into the other but yes never mind yeah. <laughs> we, maybe we can touch camera equipment for wildlife photography in an episode yeah. as well we might have to, yeah, well, I, think, oh, I think we'll have to do that being that both our backgrounds at some point yeah um, yes. Right, I think we're getting close to waffling now. So oh, yeah. I, I think, think we... we'll finish up there. 
Yeah, I think we reached that stage. Yeah. So I'm going to put in the details I've, I've written so far and um, we have covered in this episode goals, SCOMA, owls, children's knowledge, um, and I'm going to put and general waffle, I think would be the subjects we're covering this. Yeah. General waffle, definitely. Or news as well, isn't there? Yeah. We sort of did the news in two parts. Maybe we may end up making this a little bit more formatted in future, but we'll we'll see. Right, should we finish it there before we uh I have far too much to edit then? Yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true, yeah. We're probably gonna aim for about an hour each episode, so we're up to like forty something minutes, I think. Yeah, I think it's good. Good. Forty eight minutes, there we go, that's close. There we go. Now. Yeah. Right. Okay then. Right. Do you wanna do the where to find you on the Yeah, interwebs? so um I'm pretty much on well I am on all three social media um outlets at the moment twitter i'm vixpix and frog lady vic and i do actually have a third account which is purely for my forgotten little creatures which is for lil creatures um instagram i'm victoria.hillman and forgotten little creatures and then on facebook it's just vixpix wildlife photography and neil will let you know where you can find him online um yeah I'm, I'm, on twitter i'm uk underscore wildlife and Pondman UK, um, Instagram, Neil underscore UK underscore wildlife, I believe. Um, it's got lots of spider pictures, you know, in the right place. Um, and um, our Facebook, on Facebook forward slash UK wildlife, and I think Pondman UK again. But if you go on my website, um, UK dash wildlife.co.uk. Um, it'll take you to a link to all those things. Then you can see my blog. And that'll be where you can find this podcast when I upload it. But you would have, I would have uploaded it by the time we hear this. I've just, I've confused myself now, but never mind. Right. Um, <laughs> yes. But there we go. Right. Cool. See you next time. Yeah. Until next time. <laughs>